That last song said, uh, glory, glory, hallelujah, he reigns. Those of us that are a little older, you remember that toy we had when we were a kid called an Etch-A-Sketch? Where you drew the little pictures and you gave it a good shake and it all went away? I must have been an Etch-A-Sketch this week because I'd been thinking about this for a little while and putting some ideas together for this message and I think it was Tuesday night, God grabbed my Etch-A-Sketch and went, start over. I'm like, oh, that's not fun. I only got three days. So three weeks is usually more comfortable, but uh, he reigns. So, well, <laughs> we're going to go with it. Keith said he wanted it to be shorter anyways, so he might get his wish. <laughs> um, so like I said, God sent me back to square one, but we're starting over with the, uh, the same basic idea and theme. Um, you know, some people say that real men wear pink. I don't wear pink, but if Fran was here, he might be wearing pink. But David and I might tell you that real men will do a Bible study written by women for women and still get something out of it, right? <laughs> See, I told him a couple of minutes ago I was going to talk about us, but I didn't tell him why. And I didn't tell him what. But uh, so our last small group study, we were kind of blundering around trying to figure out what it was. And uh, the ladies kind of came up with it. And we're like, okay, whatever. We can do this. It's still the word. So we did that. And uh, part of this message comes out of that. And it comes out of a previous study that we did that Rob, uh, by Rob Reamer. So uh, as we get started, let's... Uh, Take a look at a couple of scriptures. So we're going to get started, and the first slide will be obsolete by the time you see it. So um, we're going to talk about uh, Genesis um, chapter 1 a little bit. So in chapter 1, on day 1, God creates the heavens and the earth and the sun and the moon. On day 2, he separated the sky from the heavens. On day 3, he separated the seas and the lands, and he created all the vegetation. Um, day four, he created the sun and the moon and the stars. And day five, he created all of the animals in the sea and all the birds in the air. On day six, God starts with the creation of all the land creatures. Then in verse 26, he moves on to us. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So like all the other things that are in existence and all of creation, some say, you know, we are a creation of God. Some say that we are the highest creation because we are made in God's image, in the image of the Trinity, and I agree with that. Um, nonetheless, we are still a part of the creation. Um, so why? Why is it that of all the creation, we are the only thing that is mentioned as being created in the image of God? Uh, what is our purpose in creation? We, we are singled out from the very beginning. Um, if we read a little further into Genesis chapter 1, it tells us that we are to have dominion over everything. 
But I believe there's more for us than just to be reigning over everything, to have dominion over all the earth. In a devotional that was handed out at the Life Conference, they quoted the Westminster Confession of Faith. It says that the chief end of man is that we might glorify God. I see a smile from years ago. Um, Our purpose is higher than just dominion. It's more than just ruling. Our purpose is to glorify God in all that we do. Um, Another way to say this might be that we are to worship God in all that we do. Last week, um, Bernie shared from the message. And doesn't that sound familiar? So the message from what he shared from the message was Romans 12, 1 and 2. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. Everything you do, fix your attention on God. Uh, keep in mind, don't forget about the passage from Genesis about our, our being created in the image of God and our purpose um, being spelled out from the Westminster Confession. Um, travel with me to Revelation. If you'd close your eyes, I didn't put this on a slide because it's quite lengthy, but close your eyes and imagine Revelation 4 as I read this. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, And seated on the thrones were twenty-four elders, clothed in white garments, with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings, and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind, the first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. This this is one of the passages that I I really kind of gravitate to, too, as a part of worship for me. It reminds me of just the absolute awesomeness of God, how big He is in, in all that He creates. And 
you see the, the 24 elders and, and when the worship begins, they humble themselves. They, they get face down. They, they throw their glory, their crowns at the, crown of, at the throne of God. And just, it's just an incredible passage. It makes me think of worship and, and the fact that God has created all things and that there's nothing that he hasn't created. Um, between the Genesis passage and this passage, it reminds me of the A.W. Tozer quote. Um, what comes into your, our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Um, you know, so where, how do we hold God in our lives? Do we, do we hold God at that very high esteem that he deserves as the creator of heaven and earth? Or do we kind of go to him like Santa Claus, wishing for this or wishing for that? Um, we need to keep a right perspective. Um, you know, do, do we dare say that sometimes even we think of him as less than us? We think of the creator as less than the creation. We, some people in our society get things all messed up and get them backwards. They worry more about the earth and, and all these things. But we really need to keep in mind that God is the creator and we need to be worshiping him. Um, just as what it said in the Westminster Confession. We gather here on Sunday mornings as the body of Christ. We all come here with different abilities and gifts when it comes to what we typically think of as worship. This is not what we think of. Um, Gathering and singing praises and and whatnot. Um, Some of us have good voices. You can already tell from just me talking that I don't have the greatest voice. But some can play musical instruments. You don't want me to even try that. So, but we all have different abilities. Um, when I was looking for that first Tozer quote, I came across this one. Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos, all tuned to the same fork, are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned not to each other, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. So 100 worshipers meet together, each one looking away to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become unity conscious and to turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship. So if we're maintaining our focus on God when we are together, we should all be going in the same direction because we're all worshiping the same awesome, almighty creator of heaven and earth. Um, so to God, our worship is like a grand symphony where he hears every little piece and whether we think so or not, he's got it tuned the way he wants it because he created it. Um, as I said, we are all different and have somewhat different ways about worship. If you were asked, you know, what worship is, you know, like I said, a lot of times we think it's this. Um, but if we remember that passage that Bernie shared last week from the message, It says to take your everyday, ordinary life and place it before God as an offering. So offerings are worship. You you may not think of that normally, but when we come together to sing God's praises and to worship Him, we're offering that to Him. Um, We're hoping that it rises to His throne room as a pleasing offering. Um, 
the most recent study we did was called Enjoying Jesus. That was that one written for ladies that David and I so enjoyed. Um, talked about a numerous uh, traditional Christian disciplines and, and how they can be worshipped. Um, two of them were solitude and silence. Now, Rob Reamer also spoke about these in the study that we did. Um, so solitude and silence sometimes are talked about interchangeably, almost as if they're the same thing. And it sometimes can be hard to divide them because they do work so well together. Um, so solitude is getting away, which is often where you find silence too. But it's not just getting away from the rat race, getting away from the noise of the kids or the noise of the boss that's chirping in your ear or, or just life in general. It's getting away, focusing on God. The whole purpose being to focus your attention on God. Um, and the silence isn't to just be silent. It's to listen and to hear what God might have for you, what He might be wanting to share with you and tell you how he's leading you, what he's got for you next. Um, I personally struggle with these two. Oftentimes when I try to experience silence, it's not too silent because I snore when I sleep. So <laughs> I struggle with that. Best place for me to find solitude and silence is on my motorcycle. I better not be sleeping there. But there's nobody talking to me, and all I hear is the pipes, and I'm just riding, and it's just me. So it's, it's an interesting kind of silence, but it works. <laughs> but the focus of that time is to be seeking God when you're, looking, when you're in that solitude and in the silence. Um, Bernie shared the comparison last week of how he and Helen start their days differently. You know, she gets up and goes and gets in the Word and reads and studies and journals and and he's kind of staggering around half asleep and a cup of coffee and some music. But he also shared that, you know, he, it does work into that time in the Word, in that time studying. And so what one person does to spend time with God, to meditate and study His Word, it doesn't have to be the way that you do it. It's just great because God created us all with different, you know, ways of doing things so we can relate to different people um, two of the other disciplines that were discussed were simplicity and giving I think our culture American culture really struggles with simplicity our culture is very materialistic um, but to simplify can give you some great freedoms um, as I think about simplicity Harold Lamb and I had a conversation years ago don't remember why or what it was about but he said to me in the midst of it the more you own the more it owns you and he <laughs> so if you think about that for a minute the more stuff you have the more you got to take care of the bigger the house the more to clean um, the other benefit of simplicity is is if you're not all consumed in keeping up with the Joneses and whatnot, you have a greater freedom to give. Um, not only do you have a greater freedom to give financially, but a greater freedom to give with your time and your efforts. Um, so it's 
something that I think we should try to you know go back to is some of these traditional disciplines of the faith um, and focus our attention on God more and really cue in on that um, so when we're talking about where our focus is whether we're talking about in silence and solitude or in simplicity and giving or when we're meditating and studying the word we need to always be focused on God um, so in relation to that what is your level of worship you know Bernie asked a question of 1 to 10 last week how are you doing living like Jesus so kind of like this what is your level of focus of worship like um, preachers often say that before they give a message they have to live it uh, while I'm no preacher I agree I, I find this challenging. So maybe a little analogy to help. So are you poking down the runway of worship in your little Piper Cub? Or are you ripping free of gravity and soaring into worship with Fat Albert, the support plane for the Navy's uh, Blue Angels? If you've never seen it or heard it, it's an incredible sight to see. It gets off the ground faster than that plane should. So, you know, do you have some Holy Spirit uh, Jado bottle rockets helping you get off the ground? Or are you just kind of humdrumming? Now, I'm not, you know, maybe this analogy doesn't work for you. I don't know. Maybe you don't like airplanes, but uh, maybe you're a sports fan. Maybe you like the Steelers. For those of you that like the Steelers, I'm sure that this isn't your posture when you're watching the game. It's not my posture either. I might get egged for this, but I don't watch the game. Is this your posture? That's Bill, probably David too. No? I don't know. You sure got a blot of black and gold in that basement of yours. So just as there are different disciplines of worship, there are also various postures. Um, Throughout Scripture and the Psalms especially, we see where they talk about raising your hands to God. The songs that we just sang a few moments ago spoke about raising your hands to God. Um, In the Revelation Scripture, we saw where the elders fell down. We saw where they presented their crowns as an offering. Um, In Philippians... 2.10, 2.10, it says, so that the name of Jesus, so at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. So we see kneeling um, in Matthew 2, when the Magi, whoop, I didn't realize I had those back, back. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. There's a lot of uh, humility in some of these different postures. Um, King David is a great example. Now, I didn't put all this up here because it's a lot. It's, it's quite lengthy. But if we look at 2 Samuel 6, and this is just bits and pieces of it. Um, in the very beginning, when they were first making the first attempt to move the ark back into Jerusalem, verse 1 says, David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. That's quite a gathering. I mean... We're like probably 110, 120 today. 
30,000 people gathered as they were going to move the ark into Jerusalem. Now, that first attempt didn't work out for them. Um, but in that, during that first attempt, though, it said, And David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. So it wasn't quiet. First of all, 30,000 people together isn't going to be quiet anyways, even if they're all whispering. But you get them and they're singing and playing music, so it's not going to be quiet. But that first attempt was unsuccessful. So a little bit later it says, And it was told King David, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. And when those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, so they walked this far, what did they do? Six steps. He sacrificed an ox and a fattened animal. So now we, we have giving. You know, they're already singing his praises. Well, now we've got giving added into it. And David danced before the Lord with all of his might. With all of his might. He left nothing behind. And David was wearing a linen ephod, much like the elders in, the, in Revelation that laid their, their crown on the ground. David took off his kingly garments. said, this is me, only me. Um, so David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the horn. <clears throat> As the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michelle, the daughter of Saul, looked out of the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. And they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. So they finally get it there, and he's, he's sacrificing more animals, more burnt offerings, more peace offerings. And David returned to bless his household. But Michelle, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How the king of Israel honored himself today, uncovering himself today before the eyes of the servants, female servants, as one of the vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. And David said to Michelle, It was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me as prince over Israel, the people of the Lord, and to celebrate before the Lord. I will make myself yet more contemptible than this. And I will be abased in your eyes. So David's focus, he didn't care what she thought. He didn't care what anybody else thought. He was focused on worshiping God. His focus was simply on giving God the honor that he deserves. And I don't know that we can actually do that. I don't know that we can give enough honor to God that it actually is the amount that he deserves. I don't know that we can sacrifice enough animals, give enough tithes, do anything to meet what God is worthy of. Um, you know, so I, I, I stuck, struggled with why did David feel it was necessary to dance and humble himself um, by removing his kingly garments. They'd been making music. Um, they'd been singing God's praises. They've been sacrificing animals. No, that's just a guess. Is it maybe because he felt that the animals that were sacrificed and whatnot weren't entirely his, that they belonged to the kingdom of Israel? He may have been the king, but it wasn't his. So the only way he could give something that wasn't already the nation's was to 
to present his offering of a dance, to, to humble himself? I don't know. It's just a guess. Um, last week, Bernie asked a question. Um, you know, who's the cap- who are the captives that Jesus freed? And we all agreed that we're the captives that Jesus freed. And then he asked, what are you freed from? And uh, fear came up and there was a second one. And then somebody here said, other people's opinions. And I think sometimes we all get stopped by worrying about what other people think. But we're free. We're free to worship. I mean, there's there's nothing that should be stopping us from worshiping God, in a, especially of all places, here. That's why we're here. We're here to worship. Um, during the Life Sunday message, um, Alexis Montgomery said that while they were at life, she was slapped in the face with freedom. I like that. Do we need slapped in the face with freedom to worship? Are we so, you know... I didn't wear a suit and tie. I don't like them. But it would have been appropriate. Are we so stuffed shirt? That's not us. I mean, we need to be remember that we're free. Uh, my family might be tired of this song, but I tripped across this on YouTube. It's, uh, it's called Happy Dance by Mercy Me. I don't know if you're familiar with it. If you've seen the YouTube video or not, Austin likes it. But uh, it's the, there's multiple videos of it you can watch. But the one that I really like, it is set at a wedding reception, which is so appropriate because we are the bride of Christ. And someday we are going to be at a wedding reception where we were the bride. But so here's the here's the lyrics, and I promise you, I will not sing them. Um, hey, you in the corner shaking in those boots. You got one, one for two. You got the shaking right, but the fear won't do. We always say that we have unspeakable joy. So let our feet do all the talking when our words fall short. We've got reason to get up, reason to get down. He done traded our sin for joy, and now that joy wants out. Happy dance, happy dance. Hey, you, in the back of the room with those concrete shoes, it's okay to cut loose. Oh, it ain't about how you move, but what moves you. We're so consumed with what we think we're supposed to be that we stop living like we know that we're free. We've got reason to get up, reason to get down. He done traded our sin for joy. And now that joy wants out. Happy dance, happy dance. And it's a funny video. you got to watch it. But so my question that comes out of this is, are you holding back? for some kind of fear. Um, I'm not judging you. I'm not. It's between you and God. We're all designed differently to worship differently. Some of us sing loud even though we don't sound good. Some of us don't sing loud. Um, The question are, are you giving your all when you worship? Are you leaving your all on the altar of worshiping and praising God? Or... Are you shaking in your boots or wearing concrete shoes? Um, there's two things for me that can hold me back. And I struggled with how to define this one at first. But it's doubt. 
It's doubt as to whether what I'm feeling like I should do is me or if it's the Holy Spirit leading me to do something. Whether He's leading me to stand and raise my hands or get on my face or to sit and be silent in His presence. Is it me or is it Him? The second thing is exactly what that person shared last week. Are you afraid of what other, others' opinions are going to be? That's just, you know, where I'm at. Maybe we need to get some of these. Anybody know what it is? Maybe this will help you figure it out. Put your blinders on. Don't care about the people behind you, the people in front of you, the people to the left or the people to the right. Look up and focus. Focus. Focus on God. Fix your focus on Jesus in worship and forget about everybody else. Um, so we've heard about a few of the older disciplines in the, in the faith and, and how, to, how to worship through those. Um, and like I said earlier when we started, we started kind of backwards. And we started backwards for a purpose. Um, in just a few minutes, we're going to resume singing. And we'll have an opportunity to give our tithes and our offerings to worship in that fashion. But first, I'm going to ask that we do something a little bit challenging. It can be especially challenging in, uh, in, a, in a group setting. But we're going to take just a few minutes, and we're going to practice silence with the exception of that song that's being raised. So we're just going to take a few moments, and I just want you to you know close your eyes and and ask the Lord to speak to you. And after a few minutes passes, then I'll have the worship team come up. So if the worship team would come. So just as a reminder, our focus is on worshiping Jesus and only that. Um, worship in how He made you. Give Him it all. Leave all of your worship on the altar. <laughs> 